What's up, everyone? Uh, so like Logan said, my name is Alex Torres. Um, I graduated from Penn State about three years ago uh, with my degree in civil engineering, and so I've been working in the Northern Virginia area as a civil engineer for uh, about three years. Um, and what's also cool is I get to help out with the young professionals and the singles in NOVA. Um, you know, just a little quick backstory. I, I grew up in NOVA, and I grew up going to church, and so I became a Christian in the teen ministry. And, uh, and so I got to go from the teen ministry over on the mission field to Penn State, and it was, uh, it was absolutely incredible. And so, but really, my heart, uh, I was not excited about the, teen, about the singles at all. Like, I wasn't excited growing up, like, oh, I want to be in the singles ministry, with my, which might sound bad. And I remember praying this distinct prayer when I was a teen about to graduate going to campus. I prayed that I would find my wife in campus mm -hmm. and that I would get married after I graduated. And so we totally skip over the singles wow. ministry, which is so bogus when you think about it. But that was where my heart was at, where I was like, oh, I'm not fired up about the singles ministry. And... Um, and now when I think about that now, I'm like, man, where was my heart at? Yeah. Thank God that never happened. Thank God I didn't get married because, you know, for multiple, multiple reasons, you know, I was not a man ready for marriage at all. But also, too, I think God wanted to shift my focus about the singles ministry and, and really what the singles have to offer this world. And, and that's what really changed my life. And so now, you know, this is like the greatest time in my life so far. You know, I'm a huge fan of The Office. Come on. And uh, towards the end of the series, um, Andy, he looks into the camera and he says, I wish someone would tell me when I was in the good old days. Mm. And, and I used to think about that often. I'm like, man, that's so true. Like, I used to think about that like uh, back in the teen ministry or like in the campus or even in the early single years. I'm like, man, those were the good old days. But how wrong is that? Mm. You know, that like there are good old days. No, there are no good old days. There are just good days. Yep. Right. These are the good days right now. The title of the lesson is Our Time Is Now. Come on, Alex. Turn over to Luke chapter 9. You know, Jonathan and I uh, both felt really compelled to look at this passage for a number of reasons, and I know that this is a very familiar one that we're going to be looking at. You know, maybe uh, you've read it multiple times. Maybe you have it underlined in your Bible. Maybe you've helped someone in a Bible study with this passage. Perhaps you even led a Bible talk on this passage. What I ask of you guys now is to remove that from your mind. Like, just try and look at this fresh, new, as if it were the first time. And let's really see what the Bible has to say. You know, uh, where we meet Jesus in Luke 9, um, you know, Jesus is kind of all over the place. He has a lot going on in his mind. In the beginning of Luke 9, Jesus sends out the 12 uh, to go and feed his sheep uh, spiritually, right? He goes and he sends them out. Next, he feeds a large group, about 5,000, right? He feeds them literally. And then uh, Jesus predicts his death, and, and things start to shift a little bit, right? Uh, and then we see Jesus at the transfiguration on the mountain. Luke 9, verse 30 says, Two men, Moses and Elijah, appeared in glorious splendor, talking with Jesus. They spoke about his departure, which he was about to bring to fulfillment in Jerusalem. So here, we see Jesus is preparing for his death, right? Later on in Luke 9, Jesus predicts his death a second time. So we see what's on his heart, right? We see what's on his mind is he's on this path. He's ready. He's going down to be crucified, right? Yeah. And so where we pick up in Luke 9 is verse 57. Come on, Alex. As they were walking along the road, a man said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. 
Jesus replied, Foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. He said to another man, Follow me. But he replied, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, Let the dead bear their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Still another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. Jesus replied, No one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. Guys, Jesus was on this road to death, right? And here come these three guys that want to follow him. However, they had no idea what the road was leading to, right? They had no idea where Jesus was headed. You know, what's so great is that Jesus keeps it 100 with these guys, right? There are no hidden clauses with following Jesus. He, mm-hmm. he lets them know straight up. It's not like he's like, hey, guys, come follow me. It's going to be a little uncomfortable. But you'll be fine. You just come follow me, right? It's like, no, Jesus tells them straight up. Yeah. He's like, guys, it's going to be uncomfortable, and it has to be the greatest thing in your life, you know? Uh, Jesus wasn't ready to fool around because he's going to his death. He's on the road to his torture and death, and he's looking for the committed men and women who are going to follow him there. Right. Point number one is now our, time, now our time is for uncomfortability. Mm. One of the fundamentals of Christianity is that we cannot expect comfortability. The first man we meet is in a really good spot in his discipleship, yeah. right? He recognizes Jesus, and he sees that, hey, this is the guy I need to follow, which is a great spot to be at. You know, a lot of us were at that point when we decided to follow Jesus, right? When we we're like, Jesus is Lord, that's where we were. And yet Jesus calls him out on this one thing, right? Comfortability. Comfortability was this man's condition. I'll follow you, Lord, wherever you go, as long as I blank. You know, you fill in the blank, right? right. You're deciding to follow Jesus and saying Jesus is Lord is very similar to saying your wedding vows. Uh, you know, I've never said them, um, but I've always, like, looked and I kind of realized, like, do the people who are saying them really understand what they mean? You know, when they say, like, through sickness and in health, do they really know what that's going to be like? You know, God forbid if the bride gets diagnosed with breast cancer and, you know, she has to go through chemo and he has to be by her bedside every day, day in and day out. Like, does he really know what that means when he's saying it? Yeah. Really, he just loves her enough to cross that bridge if they get there, you know? And the same is for us in our walk with God. We say, Jesus is Lord. I'll follow you wherever you go through sickness and in health. But when those trials come, when your comfortability is tested, will you remain on that walk? Yeah. Uh, my freshman year at Penn State, uh, I lived with a couple guys on my baseball team. And um, I remember coming back one night from Devo, had my Bible in my hand, and was really fired up. You know how Devos are. Like, you just get fired up, right? And so I was coming home from Devo, and um, all of a sudden I could just, I walk into my apartment building, and I just smell uh, weed and liquor. And coming from my apartment building, I'm like, oh, man. This is not going to be good. I walk in, music's bumping, you know, people are drinking, red cups everywhere. You know, you know college, you've seen parties. And so it's just like, just a mess. And I come back to that after Devo, and I'm just like, oh, man, I'm just trying to slide through unnoticed, get to my, get to my room, shut the door. Uh, as I'm walking through, people recognize me. They're like, oh, hey, Torres, what's up, man? And I'm like, hey, they're like, what's that in your hand? I'm like, it's a Bible. And it felt like a scratch record, right? They just like, hey, turn the music down. <laughs> and, uh, and I'm like, oh, man. They're like, hey, preach to us, preach to us. I'm oh, like, no. <laughs> what is happening right now? Um, 
So I, I was like, all right, let's do it. So I bring everyone, and uh, we sit at my kitchen table in our living room in this apartment building, about 30, 25, maybe 30 people there, uh, gather around, guys and girls. And so I took my Bible, I flipped it open. I'm like, what am I going to look at? Galatians 5, right? And, uh, and, and so I just, uh, I started reading through the sins of the flesh, right? And it gets to the point where it's like, and those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Flip. Sit back. And it's like a mic drop. And, like, there was so much tension in this room. You could cut it with scissors. It was, like, the most uncomfortable thing I've ever been a part of in my life. And so, finally, dead silence. They're just like, ah, forget that. Put the music back on. And, uh, and I'm like, all right. Uh, grab my Bible. Get up. I scoot on over to my, to my, uh, to my uh, room. Uh, like, ten minutes go by. People knock on my door. They're like, hey, man, like, Kind of, kind of liked what you said. Like, you mind telling me a little bit more? Like, I'm kind of interested. And I, I was not expecting that at all. But like, the few sober people that were there were kind of like, "What is this?" You know, I've never read this passage before. You know, um, but for me, like drinking and partying and hooking up with girls, like that was like my clause, right? That was my condition um, back before I became a Christian. That's something that was, that was a trigger for me. And so when I saw that. Uh, it was kind of where the rubber meets the road. It was really hard for me to be like, okay, you know, am, am I going to remain faithful in this moment? You know, am I going to, like, this is very uncomfortable, but what am I going to do? And thinking back now, I'm like, maybe I shouldn't have looked at Galatians 5, but who knows? But, like, these guys, I was able to study the Bible with these guys, and they were able to hear the gospel because of it. Um, but I think for us, it's like, you know, what is your condition, you know? Um, for following someone who loves unconditionally, we sure do have a lot of conditions, yeah, come on. right? Let me say that again. For following someone who loves unconditionally, we sure do have a lot of conditions. Right. You know, this man had a condition of comfortability. Do you have one? Yeah. What is it? What are you holding God to in order to follow Jesus? Oh, I'll follow you unless I don't find my wife next year. Mm. Or I'll follow you unless I don't get this promotion. I'll follow you unless this Bible study is on the other side of town. Are you too comfortable to follow Jesus? What are you too comfortable to do? Who are you too comfortable to help? Hmm. These are the questions that we have to start asking ourselves if we want to be men of God, right? Right. Is the Spirit calling you one way or is Netflix and Hulu calling you another way? We cannot let the riches of this world fine-tune our discipleship. Right. Right, guys? We cannot follow Jesus conditionally. Could you imagine if Jesus had conditions in his love for us? If that were the case, he never would have died for us. Right. His love for you is so unconditional, and he displayed it. Point number two, now is our time to proclaim. Come on, Alex. You know, the second man is also at a very good spot in his discipleship. Right? He's ready to follow Jesus. He calls him Lord. He calls Jesus Lord. Right? He's at a really good spot in his discipleship. However, he just has this one thing he needs to take care of, you know? His father. Uh, you know, some scholars believe that this man's father might not have died yet, and maybe, you know, he was on his deathbed, and so he'd have to go and, you know, uh, be with his family until he passed, and then they'd have to grieve and mourn and go through the funeral process. Other scholars believe that uh, his father did pass, and so he'd have to go and he'd have to be there and mourn and grieve and, uh, with his family. Either way, those are two very important reasons to be with your family. Right. Coping with loss or a loved one is incredibly challenging. 
It's very serious. Could you imagine saying what Jesus said to someone in the fellowship today? Like, why would Jesus say such a thing and pull this man away from his grieving family? That's because proclaiming the kingdom of God is that much more important to Jesus than family. Where does proclaiming the kingdom of God fall for you now? Yeah. Where is that on your list? Is it the most important thing in your life? You know, I believe a lot of men can be plagued with the bystander effect. Um, perhaps you learned about this in psychology class, but the bystander effect is when the presence of others discourages you from intervening in an emergency situation. In 1968, Kenny Genovese was stabbed to death in her New York City apartment. Later that week, the New York Times posted an article that said that there were approximately 38 people, 38 neighbors who heard or saw the attack and did nothing. That incident springboarded the numerous sociology and psychology experiments about this phenomenon. The idea is that the more people there are, the less likely, the less likely you are to act. And so we could get stuck in this mindset, oh, that someone else is going to step up, Right? Like, that's someone else's duty, that's someone else's job, or, or someone else is going to ask him to study the Bible, or that someone else can take this sister on a date, you know, um, or that someone else can help her move her stuff. You know, this whole idea of, like, someone else, like, yeah. that someone else has the same exact Holy Spirit as you. Mm-hmm. Don't let it be someone else, let it be you. Yeah. We need to proclaim the kingdom of God now. You know, we all know the call, but the question is, are you proclaiming, Right? What, what is causing this plague among men of the bystander effect? You know, what caused it for me is this idea of, like, settling down. I wrestled a lot with this idea of, like, settling down when I got into the singles ministry. Because I'm like, all right, you know, I did my duty in campus, teens. Uh, I studied the Bible with guys, you know. I'm like, I, I, did, I did my duty. Now it's my time to focus on myself, yeah. focus on my career, uh, focus on getting money, find my wife. And it can be very easy to get into this mindset of like, ah, now's my time to settle down, right. you know. Uh, perhaps you feel that way, or uh, perhaps you've been hurt many times uh, by people in the fellowship, or perhaps you've been hurt many times in your walk. Um, you know, perhaps you studied the Bible with a lot of guys and invested in so many guys uh, just to see them walk away. You know, these are real things that can really challenge, challenge our walk with God. Right. But if anyone can relate to where you're at in your walk, it's Jesus. Yeah. Jesus had just finished feeding 5,000 people, broke bread with 5,000 people, taught them, preached to them, showed them the good news, just to have very few follow. And yet he was still committed to dying on the cross for you. Wow. How will you proclaim the kingdom of God in your workplace or in your household? How will you proclaim the kingdom of God in your family? Yeah. You know, these are some of the questions that we need to start asking ourselves. You know, I'd go to the gym after work, and uh, the, the gym is like my time, right? It, like, I hold dear to my gym time. Like, no one comes in between me and gym, right? And so, you know, I'd go to the gym, put my headphones in, and get my pump in, and like, that's, that's my time to de-stress. That's my time to focus and think and just kind of like clear my mind, right? And then one of my coworkers started going to the gym, and, uh, you know, the first few times he'd come, and he'd like ask me questions and stuff, and I'd like, what? You know, what's up? Like, and so I'm just like, all right, I got to sacrifice this right now. I got to put my time aside and I need to, I need to engage. And, uh, and what was cool is that we got to work out, you know, three times a week together and I got to share my life with him and share the Bible with him. And 
you know, getting into his world. And that wouldn't have happened if I wanted to hold on to my me time, right? And I think now that, like, uh, you know, we work. Work consumes a lot of our time. And, and so now it's like we have less and less of, like, me time. And so it's like, oh, no one comes in between this time. And I get that so much. Like, it's just, it's something that's really hard for me. But what I started to see is as I started to, like, give myself away, right? As I started to, like, devote less and less time to, like, me, but more to, like, giving, I started to see that, like, my cup was being filled more than if I, like, wanted to fill it through scrolling uh, on Instagram during lunch or, like, you know, just kind of getting my me time at the gym. You know, millennials in the United States are approaching baby boomers in population, and in 2019, they're projected to surpass as the nation's largest living adult generation. Half of U.S. adults today are unmarried. Half. And that's a whole lot less than what it was three years ago. Before it was 70% are married. Now it's half are married. 42% of U.S. adults are living without a partner. Guys, this is our demographic. Right. This is us. Right. We need to start recognizing the time. You know, that trend in our demographic is growing. The time of singlehood is at an all-time peak. So let's recognize the opportunity ahead. My hope, of, my hope for you guys today is not that you feel like you need to do more. Right? I don't want you to feel like, oh, I just need to put my head down. I just need to do more. Like, that's not what Jesus wanted at all. Right. Right? He didn't want his disciples to just like, buckle down and just do more. That's not our call. Our call is to recognize the opportunity. See, hey, guys, following Jesus is amazing, and I want more people to kind of come along this walk with me. Right? Right. And so I think that's what my hope for you guys is today. But let's be men who follow Jesus now. Amen? Come on. Yeah. How's everybody doing? Good, uh, is everybody still alive out there? Yeah. I know everybody just ate lunch. Um, as they said, my name is uh, Jonathan Robinson, and I have the uh, joy and the pleasure of serving in the Young Professional Ministry in Cincinnati. Woo! So I'm like really fired up to look at this passage with you. Um, I agree definitely with Alex. I uh, did a great job, but this is something we felt very compelled to talk about. And so I'm going to reread uh, verse uh, 9, 61 through 62. And we're going to talk about this last guy and really see what we can get here from this passage. It says, still another said, I will follow you, Lord. But first, let me go back and say goodbye to my family. Jesus replied, no one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. And I think one of the things that we can miss with this passage is that for the Jewish mind, family was so important. We don't understand that in America's family isn't that important to us. Right. Like it's not as important as it was to the Jewish mind in the Western thought what's more actually important to us is individual rights. Yeah. Right. Like when somebody starts telling you like, hey, this is where you should work. Hold up. What about my rights? Mm-hmm. We value individualism. Yeah. That's what we want. That's what that's the hardest part. Even when we're studying the Bible is I got to give up self, give up family. Mm, yeah. But give up self. That's a big thing. Right. You know, that even though we live in the age of social media, we're actually less social. Yep. We're all about us and our individualism. And so I think for, for us, you know, maybe looking at this passage, like if there were things that required us to give up individualism, that's what he's saying to this guy is that, hey, your individualism or your family is not as important as following me. And I think like, wow, it's not actually an unreasonable request to go back and like, Hey, honey, kids, I'm about to go follow Jesus and I'm not sure when I'll come back. You know, like that's actually not very unreasonable. You know, like I think if we were studying the Bible with someone 
And they were like, look, I'm going to go home and talk to my family. And I just want to make everything right with them. We'd be sharing good news about them the next week. Like, hey, they're going to go back, talk to their family. And next week, they're going to get baptized, right? If you serve in the campus ministry, like, it's almost a requirement. You got to talk to your family before you become a Christian. Because right. problems later on down the road. So we're, like, fired up. But Jesus is like, no, that's not enough. You got to come right now. Because as Alex said, is Jesus is basically a dead man walking. Right. right? Luke 9 through Luke 20 is all about Jesus marching toward Jerusalem to his and like his death yeah. like that's where we're at and so but it's hard to look at this passage um and not think about elijah when he calls elisha mm. right it's almost like to the jewish mind like that would have been one of the first things as they thought about this and you don't have to turn there but over in first kings 19 19 through 20 so elijah had this he's a prophet he had this high moment where he defeated all the prophets of Baal. Do you, you guys remember this story? Mm-hmm. Yes? Yes? Okay. All right. Okay. You're still alive. Okay. And then he has this high moment. He defeats the prophet of Baal. And then in 1 Kings 19, Jezebel says she's going to kill him. And then he gets really depressed. Then he runs off and God uses birds and he whispers to him and the earthquakes. And it's really amazing. And then he's like, okay, go appoint Elisha. And then we pick up in 1 Kings 19. It says, so Elisha went from there and found Elisha, son of Shabbat. He was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen and he himself was driving the 12th pair. Elijah went up to him and threw his cloak around him. Elisha then left his oxen and ran after Elijah. Let me kiss my father and mother goodbye, he said, and then I will come with you. Go back, Elijah replied. What have I done to you? So Elisha left him and went back. He took his yoke of oxen and slaughtered them. He burned the plowing equipment to cook the meat and gave it to the people and they ate and he set out to follow Elijah and become his servant. And in case you're wondering what the point is, because I forgot to mention it. Now is our time to answer the call. That's the point. Right. And so back to Elijah, when he calls Elisha, it's actually okay to go back and kiss his family and have a last meal and kind of make things right before he leaves. And so what we see from this call is that the call to follow Jesus is higher than the call to be a prophet. Wow. Let me say that again. The call to follow Jesus is a greater call than the call to be a prophet. And literally a prophet is someone who speaks the words of God. Right. You know, if you go through the prophets, you see they raise people from the dead. They like departed seas. They healed people. They like. And so you think about being a prophet. Not many in this room. How many in this room think I'm greater than a prophet right now? Okay, by the end of this lesson, I want you to know that you are greater than a prophet. Come on. You are greater than a prophet because in Luke 10, 24, Jesus tells him, For I tell you that many prophets and kings wanted to see what you see, what you see in Northern Virginia, what you see if nobody's from Cincinnati, but what you see in Potomac Valley, what you see in Hampton Roads, they wanted to see what you guys see, but did not see it. And to hear what you hear, but did not hear. And you're thinking like, "Mm, I don't know. In Luke 11, verse 1, Jesus says, Truly I tell you, among those born of women, there has not risen anyone greater than John the Baptist. Yet whoever is least in the kingdom of God or kingdom of heaven is greater than he. And so the brother that's struggling, think about the brother that's struggling the worst in your church. 
That brother is greater than John the Baptist. That, yeah, wow. That brother is greater than John the Baptist. Me? Yeah. I'll talk to Will. Uh, <laughs> and so that brother is greater than John the Baptist. You guys, you're greater than John the Baptist. You're greater than Elisha. Elisha, when his body was dead, a dead man fell on him and he came back to life. You're greater than him. The message you have is greater than his. Because often the prophets, they spoke to the children of Israel. They spoke to the nation surrounding them. You speak a message that's meant for 7.6 billion people. You got a message that's greater than their message? You got a call that's greater than their call. But we got to believe it. We got to wake up. No, literally, some of you guys are sleeping. You got to wake up. So, um, you, you... That's what we have. And so when I say, how many of you guys believe you're greater than the prophets? I want you to raise your hand. That's not enough hands. I want to see every. You are greater than the prophet. I want you to look at the guy beside you, right? If you grew up in black church, you know what it is. Say, neighbor, neighbor, neighbor. You're greater than a prophet. That's what we have here. You are greater than a prophet. Yeah, that's right. And so, when you look at it, it's just like, whoa, that's mind-blowing. I don't know if I wake up every day, woo, greater than a prophet today. (laughs) But if I did, how would it change how I lived? If I woke up every morning, you know what? Not guilt-driven, not, oh my goodness, I don't want anybody to ask me, but no, I am greater than a prophet and I got a message greater than prophets. They long to see what I see, to hear what I hear. Of men born of women, none is greater than John the Baptist, but even the least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. How would that change your discipling times when you got with that brother that was struggling? Like, bro, I know you're struggling. It looks bad right now, but you're greater than a prophet. Mm -hmm. His head would lift up just like yours did. Some of you, when I got up here, you were like, yeah, 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 blah, blah, blah. Greater than a prophet. What? Hold up. What would it do for the people in your church? What would it do for your times with God? Man, I got a message. I got to prepare. I got to train because I got something greater than a prophet here. You know what I'm saying? I think like, man, that's what we Now is our time to answer the call. You know, and this is just such an amazing thing. And it's more important than who you try to get married to. It's more important than what job you have. It's more important than what school you have. It's more important how much money you make. Because here's the thing, and I believe this. At funerals, we have great perspective. Right. I think the only thing we think when someone passes away, my, my grandmother passed away earlier this year, um, is, are they right with God? Right. We don't think how much money. We don't think what kind of job. All we think is, where are they at with God? Right. But somehow, in the mix in the, of life, that's not what's most important. Right. But man, that is what's most important. Because... That's how Jesus is going to save this world. It's through us. Men that are greater than prophets. You know, and maybe as you look at the world, you don't think it's not that it's not that bad. I got some statistics. There are more black men in jail than in college right now. Almost 10 percent of men exclusively and actively engage in homosexual lifestyles between the ages of 18 and 29. 
30% of men over age 18 and more than have had more than five alcoholic drinks in one day in the last year. You can come on in. Pornography. Thank you. Appreciate it. Anyway, so, yeah. Always want to do that. All right. So anyway, um, pornography is a multi-billion dollar industry. People are waiting longer to get married, which means they're settling for sexually immoral relationships. And so Jesus needs you to answer the call. He needs you to be ready to go wherever, whenever, to do whatever. Because you have a message greater than the prophets. Amen? Amen. Let me hear you say, I'm greater than the prophets. prophets. Let me hear it one more time. Yes. And so with that, you got to think about, are you ready to answer that call? And I want to share about a brother who used to be in my ministry. His name was Corey Torrance. We used to be in Hampton Roads. And he answered the call to go to Bowling Green. And let me, for, for anybody, Bowling Green, there's not a lot there. Every day he wakes up, it's not like, oh, I'm about to go do this. He knows I'm here for one reason. But I'm inspired by that. Moved him and his wife out in the middle of nowhere to proclaim the gospel. What's stopping you? Yeah. You know? You know, I think sometimes the phone, as disciples of Jesus, I think sometimes the phone is ringing. But just like when someone calls that you don't want to hear, you'd be like. But the thing is, Jesus is relentless. He calls back. He calls from different numbers. He calls and has his number disguised as your mom. You pick up and Jesus is there. He's like, look, I got this for you to do. Right. And even as and the cool thing I love about this is right now, where is Jesus calling you right now? There's something on your heart that, you know, Jesus is calling you to do. I don't have to tell you what it is. Right. I don't have to decide you like he's calling you to go there, but you know what it is. Right. But you try to put that phone on silent. Mm-hmm. But it's just vibrating off the page. Because Jesus is calling. Yeah. Now is our time to answer the call. Right. And I feel like Jesus is like a bill collector. He is relentless and calling you. You know, it's like, and, it's, and here's the thing. It's so hard because you're like, and I feel that Jesus is calling me. And you're right, he is. Yeah. It may be the most lopsided, uncomfortable, doesn't make sense thing that's happening. But Jesus is calling you to do it because you have a message that's greater than a prophet. Right. And you know, when I think about a prophet, man, a prophet, they always think that now is the time to ask a call. You're not whatever your career is. You might work in... Maybe you're trying to be a doctor. Maybe you're trying to be a lawyer. Maybe you are a doctor or a lawyer. Maybe you're this or that. That's not what your job title is. Your job title is greater than a prophet. Yeah. <laughs> like, what if you thought, well, what do we do? Well, I'm greater than a prophet. So, uh, <laughs> it would really change how you thought about life, though. Like, you, I'm greater than a prophet. And not in an arrogant or proud way, but in this way, like, man, the only thing I have is I got to preach the word of God. And not just in evangelism, but even in encourage one another. Right. Yeah. Sometimes you're in the fellowship and there's things that need to be said. I'm greater than a prophet. I'm greater than a prophet. I'm greater than a prophet. Okay, I got to share this, brother. Like, bro, I see some selfishness. I see some selfish ambition. I'm greater than a prophet. I'm greater than a prophet. Like, that's what's got to be going on in our minds and our psyches. Because we're greater than prophets, man. Amen? Yeah. You know, when I thought about going to Cincinnati, I remember, honestly, I was set on going to get my PhD. You know, I, have a, I got a master's degree out of the, the great Norfolk State University. Let's Behold go. the green and gold. Let's go, let's baby. Go. Let's go. Let's go. Oh, 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 oh. Let's go, baby. So, you know, that's where we went. And I wanted to go get my Ph.D. in African-American studies. I'm, like, passionate about African-American history, if anybody knows me. And I was like, that's my plan. And so I remember I called Doug. Me and my wife, we've been praying about, like, man, God, what do you want us to do? Right. 
And I remember I called Doug Lambert in, in 14 minutes and like 52 seconds. And I remember that time because I was trying to stop overdoing my breaks because I realized that wasn't really a great example of me being a Christian at work. Um, so if you take longer breaks, stop doing it. So anyway, um, and I remember when he got funny, he's like, I think you should come out here because I think this might be a great fit. And I'm like, whoa, bro, I've never been to Cincinnati. So we get on a plane, and by the, end, by the time we come back, two weeks later, we're in Cincinnati. Tuesday, Doug calls me. He's like, hey, I just want you to know we're going to offer you the position. And I remember there was financial challenges, and I talked to him about that. He was like, oh, we got it. And I'm like, if I don't go to Cincinnati, it's simply because I don't want to go. Like, it's simply because I just don't want to do it. But, you know, I think sometimes the same can be true for us. God is calling us. The, the ministry leader is talking to you. You're reading in your quiet times. And you're like, man, I should be doing this, whatever this thing is. And we don't do it. And I think it's like, man, but am I greater than, I'm greater than a prophet. You know? And I think, imagine if you decided to answer that call. Or hold on. Hold on. Sorry. Backtrack. Maybe Jesus is calling you to step up and do more in your current city. Yeah. I think when we think about what we, we all got to go somewhere, sometimes it's just go where you're at. Right. I think a mission mindset doesn't mean you have to go somewhere else. I think the mission mindset is you're doing it all the time, no matter where you're at. Right. You know, maybe he's calling you to quit your job because it's ter- taking up all your time. Yeah. Sometimes we can't answer the phone because it's on silent. Some of us don't hear Jesus calling because we are in sin. Sexual sin, impurity, pride, self-righteousness, selfishness, or we've become lukewarm. If that's the case, I want to encourage you at this conference, get open and make a decision to repent. Proverbs 28, 13 states that whoever conceals their sin will not prosper, but whoever renounces their sin will find mercy. Men, imagine if you answer the call. Imagine how full your life will be. I'm not sure where you may end up, but trust me, Jesus is calling some of you right now into the full-time ministry. He's calling some of you right now to be single evangelists, single board members, single hope representatives, more single men Bible taught leaders. He's calling you no matter your age, your ethnicity, where you live at, how long you've been a Christian, how much you've messed up. He's calling you right now because you're greater than a prophet. You know? And if, if you're studying the Bible, man, what's stopping you from making Jesus Lord? I was studying the Bible with this guy named Rodney. We studied one day, and we hit a major bump. Two hours, he's texting me. He's like, I want to get right. And we got together the next day and studied the Bible for three hours, and he made Jesus Lord. What will your story be if you're studying the Bible? If you have answered the call before, and maybe you're thinking like, man, what do I need to do to put some of this in practice? So I'm greater than a prophet. I know that. I want to answer the call, but how? And so I'm going to run through a list of practicals just to hopefully help you answer this great call that Jesus has. Does that make sense, man? Yeah. All right. And so I think one of the things is we've got to humble ourselves through fasting, serving others, regular confession, and getting tons of input. Evaluate. Do you have enough time to help teach others to obey? Get taught to obey and make disciples. Sometimes our value system and our habits don't match up. If you don't, if you uh, if you get input from Bible taught leaders, ministry leaders and others who you see answering the call currently in your home church, follow up with visitors after service first instead of your friends or interests. 
The word of God is powerful. You never know what impact the word of God could have had on one of your friends or somebody else's friend. Spend time in prayer, uh, fasting, and input to see where is Jesus calling you to. Make sure that you have a clear plan or vision to get there with the person who's training or discipling you. Make sure you have a clear plan or vision for the people that you invest in on how to obey and follow Jesus and do more. And then, lastly, steal from others. You know, if you find something that's effective, that's helpful, steal from others. 90% of the stuff that I do or you hear me say, I've stolen from somebody else. I've said it at a conference right where you are, and I'm like, oh, that was good. I'm going to take that and use it again. And the same thing, it has the same effectiveness. Like, like material and tools, they don't have an expiration date. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, a loaf of bread, I can't keep passing that around. You know, eventually it'll get moldy, but like tools and, and spiritual things, you can keep passing them down. Right. And I think in conclusion, because my time is running out, I think our time is now. Our time is now to be uncomfortable. Our time is now to proclaim the gospel. And our time is now to answer the call that Jesus has called us to. Amen, man? Amen. Amen. Amen, brothers. Y'all ready to answer the call? Yeah! How about you get on your phones and you call all the people that aren't in this room and you tell them what you learned. Amen? Because there's a lot more single men in the ACR than are here in this room right now. (laughs) And to be fair, we might not know this is like where we're supposed to be at. There's a lot of other classes I understand. Maybe they want to be married, so they're sneaking into the marriage class. But we're about to have a singles rally at 4 p.m. And uh, I want you guys to be texting your ministries, texting your friends. Let's get all our single people there so we can hear the word of God and we can rally together. Amen. And I appreciate what these brothers are saying. I, I know as you gathered as a class, maybe everyone stayed away because they thought this was the purity class and they didn't want to get convicted about their purity. But I, I appreciate the fact that these guys didn't just hit the fact of, yeah, let's absolutely deal with our purity. But more than that, let's be the men that God wants us to be. Because in reality, what the, the stats that John is saying, like if we just let that sit in for one second, just one second, that 50% of American adult men are single. And this is the men that God chose to reach them through. In your cities, in our areas, you are greater than a prophet because you've been given the call to reach these guys. Let's rally together. Let's rally the men in our ministries. And let's be the men that these guys encourage us to be. Amen? You guys are dismissed. Let's head. we got the singles rally at 4 p.m. That's downstairs in the main room. Gather the people. Grip them. Bring them in. Pull them in. Get out of here. All right. Killed it. Great job, man. There we go.